Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. Elm City Church is a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together. No matter where you're at, these messages are meant to equip and strengthen you for the journey. You can find out more by visiting elmcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening. I want to begin this morning by introducing you to someone uh, who used to be really special to me. I would say between the ages of 7 and 11, this man had a huge influence in my life. Um, I was a homeschooler living at Pilgrim Pines, and um, look at that physical specimen right there. The myth, the man, the legend, Larry Bird. Do we have any Larry Bird fans in the house? A few? Okay. (laughs) Just for the record... uh, at some point this morning, Jesus needs to get a bigger clap than Larry Bird. This is church. So um, when we go back to, to worship, but Larry Bird, uh, I was a huge Larry Bird fan growing up, especially when I, like I said, I was a homeschool kid, lived in a Christian camp. I spent hundreds of hours shooting hoops, uh, watching, this was pre, pre-internet, so I would go to the library every week and get this Larry Bird mixtape video. And I would watch it on repeat over and over again, and I would memorize his moves, and I would just shoot three-pointers all day in my, in my backyard. Um, my parents made the mistake of buying that video for me for Christmas instead of having to go to the library and renting it, and I, I must have watched it a hundred times easily because I wanted to be like Larry Bird. Um, I knew all the stories about him that people told. Uh, I knew his stats. But here's the thing. I knew all of that about Larry Bird, knew his stats, tried to mimic him. But for all I knew about Larry Bird, I didn't know him. I never actually have met, still to this day, have never met Larry Bird. I could tell you everything about him, but I didn't know him. And I think a lot of us, if we're not careful, or a lot of people, have that same type of relationship with God. They know a lot about him, they can tell you the stories, they can tell you the stats, they can tell you all these amazing secondhand stories about God and what he's done for others, but they don't actually know him personally. And so we are in this series right now that is answering this kind of this big question, what is God like? And my hope and my prayer for all of us in this is that it is not going to be just some kind of academic exercise of so you can know about God, about what he's like, um, while that's important. What we're going to see is, all throughout the series and through Exodus 34, 6 through 7, God is revealing, this is my character, this is what I am like, but it's always in the context of, this is how you're going to experience me. Not academic, but this is how you're going to experience me. Moses, in Exodus 33, is having this conversation with God. Um, and Moses, at one point, tells God, goes to him and says, I want to see, like, show me your glory. I, I want to experience as much of you as I can. And God basically tells Moses, like, what you're asking for, I can't, I can't do. If I did that for you, you would die. Like, I cannot reveal all, all of myself to you. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pass by you. And I'm going to allow my goodness to pass by you. And I'm going to proclaim to you my name. That is the most that you can handle. 
And so when, when, when God, when Yahweh God passed by Moses and said, I'm gonna cause, he said, I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass before you and proclaim to you my name in your presence, this is what God said. This is Exodus 34, 6 through 7. And it says, the Lord passed before him, being Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is God in his own words describing what he is like. And so as I said before, my hope for this series is for all of us in here to start to move from just knowledge about God to experience of God. But when you read this Exodus story, especially, you're going to see everything that God says about himself right here, that he is compassionate and gracious, that he's slow to anger, that he's abounding in faithful covenant love, uh, you see played out in this story. You, it's like this, um, and, and say if, for example, if, if I say I know someone that's generous, hey, so-and-so, they're generous, most likely I know that they are generous because I have been the recipient of their generosity. There's a big difference between just abstractly knowing, hey, they're generous, and actually being a recipient of their generosity. Or if I say, you know, hey, they got a bad temper, well, it's probably because I've been on the receiving end of that temper. I, I, I know about it. And so when God describes, he says, this is who I am. I am merciful and, and gracious. And, and he goes on and through. Moses and the Israelites are on the receiving end of all of that, and they know it experientially. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we have that same invitation to us, that we can more than just know about God, that we can experience and know the God who reveals himself in Exodus 34, 6 through 7. So we have been really answering this big question of what is God like? What, what is God like? And uh, the reason why we're using, if you're, if you're new to this morning or this is your first part of the series, the reason why we're using this passage is that this is the one place in Scripture where God in his own words reveals his character. And so this is the most quoted passage of Scripture by Scripture. So once, you kinda, once this sort of seeps in and you get it, you see it everywhere. You'll see, it in all, you'll see it in our worship songs. You're going to see hints of it in the words of Jesus. This is God in his own words. It comes out everywhere. And so we're just kind of taking it word by word, phrase by phrase. And so what we are going to look at this morning, the first thing that God reveals about his character is that he says, I am the Lord, the Lord, or it's his name. He says, I am Yahweh, Yahweh, a God that is merciful and gracious. That is the first thing in, in, in the order that God reveals about, about his character. And this um, compassion, or it might be compassionate and gracious, depending on how your Bible translates it. Uh, but compassionate and gracious is a word pairing in Hebrew. So when you put these two words side by side, they kind of help explain each other and, and, and complete each other. So uh, compassionate is uh, the Hebrew word rachum, which is a terrible mispronunciation of it, but, you know, most of you don't know what the actual pronunciation is, so you think I know it. <laughs> so it's rahum, which is often translated as merciful or full of compassion, and chanun, which is gracious. Um, so this word phrase together, the first thing God says about himself is, he is rahum ve chanun. Does anyone want to mispronounce that with me? 
We can all, all do it together. Ready? He is Rahum Hanun. Sort of. <laughs> so you, but you might be wondering, okay, why, especially through this series, are we spending so much time maybe talking about words like this and focusing on specific words and going into what they mean? And I don't think that's useful all the time, like if you take every piece of scripture and, and break it apart. But in this text specifically, I really think it is because these are the very words that God chose to describe what he is like. And so the first one, uh, merciful or full of compassion, is uh, this is foremost a feelings word. This is a, a feelings word, and it comes from the, the root word of the female womb. So this is so, it's almost saying God's love. The first thing he says about it is, I, it's womb-like. And it's referring to, uh, the image behind it is the feelings that a mother has towards her young child. That feeling, it's a, it's a, this is a, the feelings, the feelings that a mother has towards her young child. Isn't that really interesting? That, that is the first word, the first image that God uses to show us what, what he is like. You know, Yahweh God says, you know what I'm like? I am like a compassionate mother with her young child. That is a fierce type of love. That is not a distant, far off, detached God. That is God who intimately cares and feels. Like in God in his own words, this is, this is what he's saying about himself. Um, but I think just as important as this idea of what is God like, uh, I've gotten a question, and I got, actually got one last week someone sent in, which I was so, so glad, was this almost parallel question, okay, of what does, what does God feel about me? So this is what God is like, and it's, it's good, but almost like this is what I'm like. What, what does God think about me? Uh, and I ended my message last week by talking about really how you know, 2020 has been hard. It doesn't take for a lot of us. It's been frustrating, discouraging, uh, and 2021 may or may not continue, continue on in, in, that, in that trend. And, and in that, I talked about one of the importance of meditating on Scripture. One of the things that can help us is just thinking through Scripture and filling our minds with, with the truth of who God is. And I made, I made a comment. I said, meditating on Scripture, it's almost like the opposite of anxiety. So when you're anxious, you're continually letting your mind run over and over on what can go wrong, the problems. Your mind is kind of an overdrive on everything that could go wrong. So meditating on Scripture is really looking at the truths of what we know to be true. So instead of filling it with the unknown, we'll fill it with the known, and we, we run, our, run it over our minds over and over again. That's kind of what meditating on, on God's truth is. So, but someone sent me a, um, sent me a question and I'm glad they did, because as I was saying that, I was feeling, okay, this is true, but incomplete. And, and, this, and I want to read it for you, and I asked their permission, if I, if I could share. And this is what they said. They wrote and said, you, men- you mentioned how 2020, 2021 feels completely overwhelming, and part of the reason why might be due to the fact that we don't have the right idea of who God is. Well, that could be true, how do you feel like mental health plays into effect here? I feel like mental health issues are often, uh, very often overlooked by the church and seen as a failing in people for not having a strong enough faith when it's a very painful reality for millions of people. And so the, the crux of the question asked says, can you be struggling to cope or deal with depression and anxiety and still have an authentic and real relationship with God 
Or do you think those things would fade away if your connection to God was what it should be? I was like, that is a great question. And I'm so glad that uh, this, this, person, this person asked. And, and I want to take a, just a, a minute to, to address that because it does fit in even into our topic this morning about, about, about who God is. So again, like I said, times are tough. But let's not sugarcoat the reality of it. Um, I know we're in a time where a number of people are dealing with some form of anxiety, depression, uh, me- mental health struggles are skyrocketing. I, would, I guarantee they're either in this room or watching, there's some of you who are dealing with that now. And you're wondering that same question that person wrote in. Like, is this because they don't have faith? Or if my relationship with God was where it should be, would all this stuff just kind of, kind of go away? And, um, and that's not just, you know, I mean, I'm, that, that's more on the serious level, but that doesn't even address the rest of us who are just probably walking around with low-grade frustration, anxiety, angst at a level we've never experienced before. Um, you know, I, I know I feel it. Uh, there, there, are days where, there are days where I feel, like, completely overwhelmed. There are days where I walk around feeling like I'm a ticking time bomb. And if someone says the wrong thing or whatever, I'm just going to, like, explode like, over something little, like, you know, some days, please do not cut me off in your vehicle. It takes everything I can do to, there's, there's a horn, there's other stuff, there's lots of stuff. Uh, but you guys, the last thing I want you, people watching online, to hear or to mistake and hear me say is that if you are struggling, if you are frustrated, if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, mental health issues, to just say, you know what, uh, here's the fix. Like, here, here's your prescription. Take two Bible verses, think about them, and in the morning you're all be fine, and if you're not, you're doing something wrong. Like, I, I do not want to, you to hear uh, me, me, me saying this. Um, okay, because we're, we're dealing with a lot. For, there's uncertainty around work for a lot of people, if you're a parent, all of a sudden your kids, you're dealing with a stay-at-home thing again. We are trying to uh, teach your kids and work. Uh, if you are older, you're worried about the health implications of the virus. If you are single or um, if you kind of live by yourself, you're dealing with, okay, what do I have to, you know, the loneliness factor. And then throw on, uh, on top of that, we're entering the holidays where everyone can kind of just be a little bit weird anyway, especially, especially, especially this year. Um, I want to just, if, I, if this is helpful, just take away the stigma about needing to get help. Um, mental health struggles, depression, anxiety, I think they need to be destigmatized de- in the church. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that struggles with anxiety and depression, that sort of stuff, is just going to magically go away. Just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean all of a sudden, like, poof, you never have to deal with that. And if you, or if you are dealing with that, that something's wrong. Or, or, or you're just, you don't trust God enough or, or, or you don't have enough faith. You know, getting counseling therapy should not have a, a stigma attached to it, especially when the root causes uh, can be so complex. If you're in this time right now, if your marriage is struggling, or you're struggling with depression and anxiety right now and need some counseling, get it. Get some help. Tell someone. There's no shame in needing it. Uh, if you're overwhelmed with parenting, there's no, there's no shame with that. Reach out to someone, try, try, to get, try to get some help. If you find yourself using unhealthy escape mechanisms, you know, an extra drink at night or two or three, uh, if you find yourself looking at stuff online as an escape to, to get away, 
If you're there and you need help, tell someone. Seek out help. There is no shame in needing help. And what, why, why can I say that so honestly? Because think about what God is saying again in these verses. He says, I feel towards you the way a parent feels towards their child. So if you're a parent, for all the parents out there, um, if you've been watching your child struggle, if you've been watching your child even mess up and make really bad choices all the time, and they come to you and they say, I need help, what are you going to do? Oh my gosh, you're going to say, I've been waiting. I've been wanting to do that. You're, not, you're, you're, you're probably not going to tell them, give them a lecture on how stupid they are and all the bad decisions. You're going to say, let me help you. How can I help? You know why? Well, why? I feel like why God has put that in there because that's what he is like. He says, I am a God that is merciful and I'm a God that is gracious. To struggle is normal and it's not always your fault and it's not just a lack of faith. Um, I mean, some of us get depressed this time of year because you don't have enough vitamin D. It's as simple as you need, you need more sunlight. Um, that's not necessarily a spiritual problem. Some of you struggle because of trauma from your past. Uh, there, are a lot, there, are, there are a lot of reasons. Um, but I, I don't, I don't want to go too, I want to, you know, I don't want to go too far that end, but I'll swing the pendulum over here and say, I do think that some of our struggles, some of our anxiety, some of our issues are specifically because we don't know who God is and we, and we don't trust him. That some of that coming up is because, uh, Again, you're, you're, you, have a, you have an idol that's being exposed or you're trusting in the wrong thing. Like, the, like I don't want you to you know, think that the, the medical and the spiritual are totally, uh, are, are, are totally separated because ultimately, whatever the root cause is is not nearly as important as who you run to because God did not say, I'm gonna make all your problems go away. God did not say, if you just have enough faith in me, things are gonna go great. If you always do the right thing, things are gonna go super, like, just look at Jesus, the guy who never did anything wrong, the guy who always said the right thing. Uh, he was betrayed by his friends. His family thought he was crazy at times, and he was nailed to a cross. And as his disciples, if we are faithful, we cannot fall into the trap of thinking, if I just say the right thing, follow him, do everything right, that everything's going to go well for me and things are going to be easy. You know, again, we, we serve a perfect Savior who did not have an easy life. But again, the root cause, there's could be a lot of root causes to it, but ultimately, what do we run to? Where do we go when we're struggling? Where do we go when we mess up? Um, Yahweh God is compassionate and gracious. You know, do you know what God is like when we struggle? He's like a parent who hears the cry of their kid. He is like a parent who has a wayward son or daughter who comes back and says, I need help. That is how he feels. Uh, Jesus t- tells a story in uh, Luke, Luke chapter 15. It's a very, it's a very famous story of, of, a, of, a, of a couple of sons and a father. And just let me read, read it for you. This is in Luke 15, 11. This is the, Jesus saying, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to the father, father, give me a share of the property that's coming to me. And he divided, so the father divided the property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods 
the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Uh, so this is a picture of someone down and out, big time. It says, but when the son came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So this is, this is what this son is thinking as he goes, as he goes to see his father. He, couldn't have, he really couldn't have blown it any more. But listen to the words and listen to how Jesus describes the father's reaction. This is in uh, verse 20. And so, and he, the son arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. It's no accident that the word Jesus uses here to describe the father and how the father treats his wayward son is the very same word God uses in Exodus 34 to describe himself. Compassionate. And when... And when he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And what did he do? He ran and embraced him and kissed him. So although compassion is a, it's a, it's a feelings word, this father was moved emotionally. It's not just a feelings word because that moved him to run to his son. That, in, in this culture, for a patriarch to run was a very dishonoring thing. He, you, you know, patriarchs didn't do that. So his father's moved to compassion and he takes his robe and he ties it up and he runs to his son, dishonoring himself and hugs and kisses and embraces him because he was filled with compassion and that compassion led him to act graciously. And here though, Jesus was not just telling a story about God, the father. He was also giving the people who are listening a little sneak peek about what he was about to do. Because God in his mercy and his God being full of compassion for us gave us the ultimate act of grace where he undignified himself. So much more than a father running. He he was willing to be undignified all the way to the point of a cross where he was beaten, where he was mocked, where he was hung, where he died in our place for us. Why? Because God is compassionate and gracious. Um, I, have a, I heard a message once that described the difference between religion and the relationship of God that God's calling us into this way. Religion will say something like, I messed up, don't tell dad. But what you know what God's calling us into is, I messed up, better call dad. Like, isn't that beautiful? Because God is compassionate and gracious. He, is, he, he describes himself like a parent who sees a wayward child and just longs for him to come back. And uh, John Mark Comer, in, in, in his book, in, in a book I read, he had this great line, and he said, the only thing that keeps you from God's mercy is thinking you deserve it. The only thing that keeps you from God's mercy is thinking you deserve it. Because there's really three, th- three ways we can approach God. We can try to approach God on the basis of what we've done, we can try to approach God on the basis of what's been done to us, or we can approach God on the basis of who he is. And when you start to approach God on the basis of who he is, 
It allows you to both be brutally honest about who you are and not fake and not hide and fully confident that there is a God who is, who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Because what is God like? He is compassionate and gracious. What does God want for wayward prodigals? For them to repent and come home. What, what does God want for those that are struggling? What does God think about people that are dealing with depression and anxiety and unsure of who they are? How does he feel towards them? Like a mother with her young child. Because God is compassionate and gracious. That is who he is. So my question is, have you experienced God as merciful and gracious? Not just known about it, but have you, have you, have you, have you experienced that in your life? If, you're, if you are a Christian, you have. Because <laughs> God has given to you what we did not deserve. But if you are here or you're listening, you're wondering, what does God think about me? How do, how do I respond? First and foremost, God says, I am compassionate. I am merciful and I am gracious. And the only thing that's gonna keep you from God's mercy is acting like you don't need it. Yes, he is the God who does not leave the, the, the guilty unpunished. So thank God for Jesus. And especially in this Advent season, where the clearest, the clearest picture of what is God like is seen in Jesus, we see Exodus 34, 6 through 7, just lived out over and over, where he is slow to anger, where he's filled with uh, covenant love, all, all of this stuff. This is what God is like, and this is why you can come to him with confidence, not because you have anything to offer, but because of who he is.